We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey! Hey, hey, we're live. I didn't realize that. Uh, Welcome to Candlestick Chronicles, 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, Joining me right now, the only person who looks better in a lamb chop hoodie than me, Chris Biederman. And that's who we're going to talk about first before we get to the 49ers beatdown of the Eagles in Philadelphia. Check out the homies over at Lamb Chops. They're the official clothing brand of Candlestick Chronicles. SGLambChops.com, that's the website. At SG Lamb Chops on Instagram, you can check out photos of all their latest styles and different ways that that people do style their clothes. Uh, so you can make sure that you accomplish the number one goal of every person and every day, and that is to look dope. If you go to SGLambChops.com right now and use promo code CANDLESTICK20, you get 20% off your order. Whether you want a hoodie, shorts, t-shirt, uh, the new Lamb Chops Letterman jacket they came out with, with the Cross Cleaver logo on the back, super sick, it's all black. Uh, very, very cool. Uh, check out their winter and fall collection. It's brand new right now at sglamchops.com. And you get 20% off that collection today with promo code Candlestick20. Shout out, Lamb Chops. Love Lamb Chops. This is currently my favorite hoodie. Um, the shorts I'm wearing, also Lamb Chops. Loungewear, zippered pockets. You know how much we love some zippered pockets. So shout Nobody out to loves a zippered pocket Chops. more than you. Nobody. I will challenge anyone on how much mm. they love zippered pockets. And I think I'll, uh, I'll come. Not a single that. person. You're coming out on top. You're king of the mountain on that. Like the Niners S- in Philadelphia today. Facts. SGLambChops.com. <laughs> promo code candlestick 20 in the herd today. We're also sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. They're located in Santa Rosa. Definitely go kick it at the brewery. Just hang out down there. It's a good spot. Get some food, drink some good beer, chat with some good people. Bring your dog. If you want, there's good outdoor seating, indoor seating, whatever you want. Plus, Maybe you go there and you like the beer and you want to order so to coopersbrewing.com. Or maybe you're too far away from Santa Rosa and you're like, you know what? Can't make it up there, man. That's not realistic for me. That's okay. If you're 21 and over and you're in the state of California, go to coopersbrewing.com. You can order a case of beer. Whether you want one type of beer, maybe you want the Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA. It's delicious. Maybe you want a stout. Maybe you want a lager. Maybe you want a pills. Whatever, whatever they have in a case, they will ship it to you. You can mix and match. You can build a case of tiers or three beers or four, whatever, whatever suits your fancy. They got for you. Cooperagebrewing.com. You can get Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA now live in the brewery or via shipment. Like you said, obviously you must be of age 21 or up and in the state of California. Mm-hmm. Um, currently right now I'm drinking moment of truth, uh, a four pack West coast, hazy IPA, Simcoe, Mosaic, Traitor. Hop. 
it is delicious. Hey man, I'm I, I dabble in both. <laughs> I dabble in both. A little bit of everything. Cooperage beer is just too good to to ignore and, and only no lock doubt. into one kind. But if you did want to lock totally into sure. Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA and that's all you drank, that's perfectly fine too. Everything they make there is good is the only point uh, I'm making here. You can see the cans in the background we got over my right shoulder here. Um, so shout out to our friends at Cooperage. Uh, our guy, Kurt. Kurt, the bartender, was on the scene at the link in Philadelphia today. Um, and per sources, he enjoyed himself. Uh, so shout out, shout out to our guy, Kurt. If you're familiar with Coop, Cooperage, you know that um, our guy, Kurt, is all over many of their beers. He and, sure is. Uh, and obviously a, a regular at the scene serving you beer. So um, shout out to him. And uh, let's dive in, man. This was, uh, this was an interesting game. A lot to discuss. All right, here we go. Niners Eagles, party time. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is gonna go. Touchdown! Bosa has got him, and a sack him back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. All right, I don't. I'm not even really sure where to start here. So I'll start with this. I don't think there's a question after 13 weeks that the 49ers are the best team in the NFL. Given what they just did to Philly, which was the team that everybody had ahead of them, whether you had the Niners second or third or wherever in your personal rankings, Philly was probably at the top. And the way the 49ers handled them, the way 49 the 49ers handled the Cowboys in Week Five. To me, there's just there's not a question that this is the best team in the sport. I think when they're clicking and when they're healthy, I think that's absolutely the case. Like I, I yes. think the ceiling is the highest. I think given the balance that they have, given the multitude of ways they can beat you, um, I just think that they when when all of that, like when you have Debo Samuel healthy, when you have Trent Williams healthy. Um, obviously Christian McCaffrey, the best running back in the league, uh, a defense that's playing at arguably the highest level in the league right now. I, I just think I don't really know what their weakness is. And I, I think the only weakness you could say, aside from just health, like if, if you take a couple of their best players off the field, obviously during the three game losing streak, that was a clear issue. But aside from health, I think the only chink in their armor is you say, OK, can can we get up on this team? entering the fourth quarter can you force the 49ers to play from behind and that's mm -hmm. really the only issue and i don't even you know like the 49ers didn't win those games you know in minnesota and and cleveland mm -hmm. although they were in position to win in cleveland and obviously the the cincinnati game sort of feels like an outlier at this point um but when it comes to how you look at the 49ers and how you how you game plan against them the only way realistically in my opinion that you could say okay this is how we beat this team force them to play from behind. And that might just be an impossible ask at this point, given how mm -hmm. good the offense is and how good the defense is. So other than that, and again, I'm not saying the 49ers can't come from behind. I'm just saying when you look at this team, how complete they are, that's the only question they haven't really answered so far this season is can so, they come from behind? And I don't even know, like we talk about in college, like People talk about it in college football all the time. It's not necessarily a bad thing that they haven't come from behind. Like it does, <laughs> I don't think it means sure. that they can't. 
Sure. Like they it's like they just blow all I, these teams out. Yeah, so, if you're gonna if you're gonna I mean, roll in and just beat everybody by twenty, it doesn't matter. Right, exactly. So they're my, that dominant right now. I would uh, here's here's the thing that I would actually push back on a little bit on that is the way they bounced back today after that first quarter was yeah. really encouraging for me in that arena that you're talking about. Because they got they had negative six yards and allowed six points in in the first quarter. And I thought the fact that their defense held Philly to to two field goals as the offense was going backwards on its first two drives, I thought that was a really good sign that they took a punch in the mouth from a excellent team on the road in an environment where I mean everybody knows what happened in the NFC Championship game last year. Like that that has to be in the back of their minds a, a little bit. That there had to have been some kind of mental hurdle to get over. And they come out and just face plant over the first 15 minutes and just get dominated. And then very calmly, just methodical drive. Was it 10 plays, 90 yards for a, for a touchdown? And then they, from there, scored on every possession they had until the end of the game. And the fact that they did that was a... a a point in their direction in terms of what does this team look like when they fall behind and can they come back at the end of a game? It's, it's that kind of metal that they showed after the first quarter today where they didn't allow themselves to spiral and it didn't turn into a disaster that lets me know like, okay, when they get into a big spot where they're down four with a minute and a half left and no timeouts, they, they have the, the, the mental fortitude to do that. They're not going to collapse in that spot. Yeah. And I, I agree with what you're saying. My, my only point is like doing it with three quarters left is different than doing it in the fourth. Yeah. 100%. And that's all. And 100%. again, they scored six straight touchdowns. They dominated what a lot of people thought was the best team in the NFC, if not the NFL on their home field mm-hmm. with a lot on the line, frankly, right? Like the one seed now is still very much in play for the 49ers. If the Eagles lose next week to the Cowboys and the 49ers handle business against the Seahawks, then the 49ers are suddenly in, in the number one seed with that tiebreaker against the Eagles. So it's not yeah. nothing. Um, I just like take my, my big takeaway from this game is, is that the 49ers absolutely should be considered to your point. Like they should be considered the favorites to win the Super Bowl. They should be the favorites in the NFC. They should be the favorites to win the Super Bowl. That three game losing streak feels like, miles in the rear view at this point and an outlier and really like the injuries factoring in and mid-season malaise and you know those games just don't feel like they really matter all that much in the grand scheme of things because we know what the ceiling of this team is yep um for Debo Samuel and I want to shift gears a little bit because to me this was the Debo Samuel defining legacy game at least for the regular season right like we remember what Debo Samuel was like in the 2021 playoffs um but to me and part of this is about the discussion, right? The discussion after last year's NFC Championship game, him going on every interview at Radio Row at the Super Bowl and saying, yeah, I think it would have been different. I think the Niners would have won by, I think we would have won by double digits. I don't think their defense had any answers for our offense. Mm-hmm. All of the discussion, Debo Samuel answering the questions this week and saying, I don't regret anything I say. And like, he didn't really add yeah. fuel to the fire, but you could tell there was a confidence about him in the way he was talking about the game. And then he goes out, Scores three touchdowns, four catches on four targets, 116 yards, two touchdowns, and then three runs, 22 yards for a score 
three total touchdowns. Um, he went into the game wearing all black and apparently a bunch of, uh, I mean, a bunch of his 49ers teammates did too, including mm-hmm. Trent Williams. Uh, he wore all black Jordan ones, which look very similar to air forces. Yeah. Um, if you're familiar with black air forces and, and what they represent, <laughs> the fact that Devo Samuel did that, uh, speaks volumes particularly when he backs it up with a three touchdown performance and just runs through the the eagles defense the entire game and then waves to fans goodbye after the juan jennings touchdown and hits his touchdown late um Mm -hmm. i just that to to me the the indelible memory from this game is just like debo samuel and and i've been and friend of the pod debo samuel by the way yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and and i've been you know sort of like i i think and and we can have this discussion later but I've been of the mind that, like, you know, a lot of people are talking about Brandon Ayuk or Chase Young beyond. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel discussion. Sure. Uh, more so than Debo versus or uh, Brandon Ayuk versus Chase Young when it comes to paying guys. I just think it's going to be really hard to pay two of your receivers $50 million combined. Yeah. I'm sort of leaning. I'm a- so like, go ahead. I'm leaning, I, I think the way Debo played today and the way this week went, I don't know that it's necessarily going to come down to those guys, but I'm not, I, I feel way, I feel a lot different right now than I did, like in terms of like, I think mm-hmm. Debo Samuel is is more or less the heart and soul of the offense. Yeah. And I think yeah. you, I think you have to kind of, I'm to the point where you just kind of deal with whatever off the field stuff you deal with, whatever, but like on Sundays, when it comes time to kick ass, there is no dude you want in your huddle more than Debo Sammy right now. It's not It's not a coincidence that you talked about his playoff run a, a couple years ago in 2021 and the Seattle game in 2019 and the Seattle game this year and this Eagles game. Every big spot, it is Debo Samuel. They need a big play, get it in the 19's hands. That's been the case now. That's why they paid him. And in the biggest game of the year where he has been talking cash shit since February, he has. And then he stood on business like that. <laughs> I couldn't even say it without laughing. No, but oh, that, how, how much were you waiting to say stood on business? Oh, dude, the minute you said Debo's name, I was like, oh, <laughs> let me say it. Let me say it. Let me say it. He stood on business. No, um, it's just a hilarious phrase. Um so that but but seriously i i believe in context that's what he did he and brandon Ayuk would say to anybody with ears after the nfc championship game we were going to beat them by two by two scores their secondary is not that good they uh, said double digits uh, d- double digits sorry yeah double digits <laughs> um james bradbury's trash da-da-da. and then they j- that was it they were the more physical team they 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 followed Debo's example. It felt like where when he gets rolling, when he runs through somebody at the end of a run, or converts a big third down, or whatever whatever the case may be, it's like okay, it's go time. And I think that's super valuable. The the whole future conversation we can save, but yeah. I, I think in this in this spot on Sunday against the Eagles, the Niners went. Okay, we're going backwards. This isn't working out. How to get Debo Samuel involved? And the fact that yeah, 138 the, yards and three touchdowns later. The fact that you can have Christian McCaffrey on your team and go into a place like Philadelphia with a team as loaded as the Eagles are, and say, "No, we got the baddest MF on the field. 
is is like no small thing. I totally like, agree. And and I think like you know, I'm not huge on symbolism, but I do think like the walkout stuff, the him leading the team, the just the tone that he sets is real. Like I think that is real. I think there is I agree. the fact that the fact that they lost those games earlier this year while Debo Samuel was sidelined. Like does not feel like a coincidence when you see how today went. Mm-hmm. Right. And if he can stay healthy, like this is a this is like a Hall of Fame type player. We said it in 2021 during the playoffs. It was like, man, you're you're running run plays on third and eight in a playoff game on the road in Lambeau Field to Debo Samuel, and he's getting it for you. Yes. Right. Like that's what you're- this dude is doing for the team right now. Like, there's nobody in the NFL who does what he does. Like he like we're talking about the highest of stakes in the regular season. It's December, and like obviously mm-hmm. playoffs are a different thing, but we've seen him do it in the playoffs. To go to the number one seed, back up all of the trash talk, and just run through them and score three touchdowns. Like Debo Samuel outscored the Eagles by himself, basically. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He scored three touchdowns. Yeah. Eagles scored 19 points. Man. Well, it's 18 to 19. So Eagles W. <laughs> Eagles W. Yeah. I mean, he needs a little no, help that... from our guy, Jake Moody. <laughs> no, but that's more on Jake Moody later um, <laughs> when we get to prize picks. So, no, that was, that's what was just the incredible part to me was it wasn't like, oh, blown coverage, Debo wide open or, oh, screen pass and he he went untouched. Did you see the next gen stats on his first touchdown, the 46 yarder? I did not educate me. It was a, according to next gen stats, when he caught that pass, he had a 0.1% chance of scoring. <laughs> And when you watch the dots, it's crazy because he gets hit, shakes that tackle, and then just, I don't know how people haven't gotten privy to his speed yet. Because I don't think he looks fast, but he always, no matter what the angle is, he outruns everybody. And again, like I said, he broke that first tackle. He got Ronnie Bell got away with a hold, but I mean, tough. And then he outran everybody else, got a little block from George Kittle, and he was gone. That's just... That's just a Fred Warner said a couple years ago, you need your A players to be A players in big games. And Debo Samuel was that dude today. And it Debo was I just remarkable. I just looked it up. Debo ran a four four eight at the at the combine, which no is like runs a, 4, 4, a little a little below average. He's like a four three player. <laughs> like, I totally agree. <laughs> like on that screen, uh the screen where he scored a touchdown at the end. And the the first touchdown was it the first or second touchdown the the pass I think that was the first touchdown anyway just running through the Eagles secondary oh yeah yeah they, they, I think he's the run like was fourth... the first was the first touchdown but yeah okay so he's like a four three player it feels mm-hmm. like like his play the the scouting term is play speed like he yeah. has far more play speed than than forty times speed um I, I will... just think it's I just think it's remarkable and the 49ers are a completely different team when they have him and. Yeah, like Brock Purdy was excellent today, mm-hmm. but Brock Purdy does rely pretty heavily on Debo Samuel. That's a pretty nice luxury to have, well, and I that's thought... not to take anything away from Brock Purdy, who I think is well, and we'll talk about him. But like yeah. having a weapon like Debo Samuel is like a pretty substantial club in his bag. Yeah, and yeah, we'll we'll talk about Brock in a second, but I want to get to this this point that that Aaron Chernis makes in the in the chat. He says, defenders make a business decision. And again, this is on the YouTube chat. If you're listening to this on the pod, we are live on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Candlestick Chronicles podcast. Let's go to YouTube, search Candlestick Chronicles or right there. Please subscribe. And if you're watching now, 
go ahead and hit that thumbs up button. We would appreciate the hell out of that. That helps us out. gets us moved up the algorithm, gets us in front of more eyeballs. Um, so thanks for, for hitting a little thumbs up. But he, he's Aaron Chernis in our YouTube chat says, defenders make a business decision. I think there's something to that. Like When you're having to tackle a person that is being the aggressor time after time after time, eventually you're going to just stop tackling that person because it hurts. Like human instinct kicks in at some point and you're like, mm-mm down 35 to 19 that sec that that second screen pass the eagles defense quit on that play there were zero people interested in tackling debo samuel on the touchdown they made it 42 and that's a product of his play style so i i definitely think it sets a tone for the niners and i and i they don't they don't win sunday without debo samuel and i also think i also think it's not a coincidence that their three losses came without debo samuel yeah yeah, that's where I stand. And they're like, it's sustainable. Like, it's not some fluky thing. They're like, it's sort of game plan proof. Like, you can always run some sort of play to get Debo Samuel open, and that's yeah. one of the benefits of Kyle Shanahan. It's not like, it's not like, oh, like take Debo Samuel out of the game, and what are the 49ers? Like, obviously they have counter punches, but it seems like in every big spot, Kyle Shanahan can figure out ways to get Debo Samuel the ball. Yep, the and they ran, they did. I'm interested to see the the tape on this because it felt like there were a ton of instances where they had McCaffrey split out into the slot and then Samuel would do that orbit motion where he comes in front of Purdy and then loops back around behind him. And that's just got to be a nightmare for a linebacker because then he might go out to the flat. He could stop and take a toss the other way. He could take a toss that way. They could fake it entirely. And then you got to worry about Christian McCaffrey. That that Debo Samuel orbit motion is just deadly. Yeah, and it's and they use the heck out of it today. The the fact that it's two of the best players in the NFL with the ball in their hand that you have to contend with as a defense yeah, is impossible. just what makes the 49ers what they are. And yeah. today was the peak version of that. And yeah. the peak version of that is the best team in the NFL that's capable of winning anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um and so that to me is is the most the most memorable thing to come out of this game. It was like, okay, this is this is sort of like I don't know. I, bigger picture. Was this the best Kyle Shanahan non-playoff game that the 49ers have had since 2017? Yeah, it felt like it for me. I The the start was obviously gross, but they made that adjustment to, A, get Purdy in a rhythm. Because I thought early on Purdy was really bad. That 0-4 start, it was, you could tell he wasn't comfortable in the pocket. He didn't, he was not maneuvering well there. He had happy feet. First Shanahan- just batted down. Shanahan said after the game he needed to settle down in terms of his play calling. Like yeah. the offense needed to settle down, but he needed to settle yeah. down, which I thought was a su- super interesting thing to hear because we've never heard him say that before. I've never heard him say that before. Yeah, like he was because you 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 mentioned this it, three straight passes to open the game. Hey, yeah. Brock Purdy's good, but that's not that's not the out of team shotgun identity. Out of yes. shotgun, out of empty. Yes, we we like so. I thought the adjustment to get Purdy in a rhythm, get him some easy throws, get your playmakers in space was just, and then start running it to the left side, like get behind Trent Williams and, and, and Aaron Banks and get those combo blocks with George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk. I thought the adjustment from the first quarter to the second quarter was what made a difference for, for the rest of the game. Because once they got in a rhythm, Philly just didn't have an answer. Brock Purdy came in completing 80% of his passes 
and averaging 11.4 yards per attempt using play action. Mm -hmm. And he to just start the game with like shotgun empty and just try to like quick game the Eagles to death early on that that didn't make any sense to me I didn't get it and I told you guys in the group chat and I'm I'm like maybe half kidding on this I would literally run a run to the left on the opening play of every game yeah or or (laughs) a a play action run to the left well I mean that's what it sets up right like that's 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 the whole point here is is like good show them your best your best stuff first and then make them react to that um and you know i thought it was just it was just odd that kyle shanahan didn't want to do that from the jump and i don't know if it was a script or if he deviated from whatever his script was but so much of the offense to your point is predicated on rhythm right it's play action bootlegs it's running plays it's it's rhythm Mm-hmm. And when you're going empty shotgun stuff and trying quick game, yeah, there's a certain rhythm element to that. But when the 49ers offense is humming, everything is setting up everything else. And yeah. the quick game is not doing that nearly the same level as, you know, run the ball and mm-hmm. then do play action off that same run look mm-hmm. and, you know, do all these different things. And once they got in rhythm and they settled down, then it was like, okay, the Eagles have no answer. And we, and we knew coming in, you know, Nick Wagner, our guy at ESPN, um, mentioned it in, in a lot of his you know his his elongated tweets um doing uh like his scouting report, novels <laughs> his essays <laughs> on twitter leading into the games usually coming on mondays and tuesdays after a lot of film and, and number study um the eagles just aren't good on the edges and it felt like man with the eagles not being good on the edges like attack that early because mm-hmm. we talked about it like you do not want to get behind in this game to Philadelphia because of the way they're able to run the ball typically. Um, and their their defense is sort of designed to play from ahead and from the standpoint of like get their pass rushers after you. Like if you're in if you have to pass the ball, their pass rush is good enough to where it can expose Colton McKivitz and Spencer Burford and Jake mm-hmm. Brendel to a certain extent. Right. Like so you have to avoid that scenario at all costs. And the way you do that is by running the ball. And uh, that's that's what the 49ers finally got to. Like Christian McCaffrey was excellent. Like it didn't like we talk. We'll we'll remember Debo when we when we think about mm-hmm. this game for a long time. Right. Like in the same way we remember like George Kittle's fourth down mm-hmm. um, catch in New Orleans in 2019. We'll remember Debo for this game, but Christian McCaffrey, like 17 carries, 93 yards and a touchdown. He was excellent. He was really good. He He had 133 total uh, uh, scrimmage yards. Yeah, like the the -the over-the-shoulder play on the wheel route, um, that reception he had. Can I I real quick, since we're talking about Brock Purdy, Mm -hmm. how many times have we watched Jimmy Garoppolo miss that exact throw? Lots of times. It's a lot. It's so many. (laughs) <laughs> so many times so many on times. on the purdy thing real quick mm-hmm. this is the exact type of game where i thought he made a couple of like money throws down the field he had a third down deep out yeah. to iuke where when the game was still in the balance it was huge a few to a, jennings on third yeah, down a couple, couple of big ones to Jawan jennings yeah he made it so so please don't get it twisted like brock purdy was really good but there was also a 46 yard touchdown on a screen and a 48-yard touchdown from Debo Samuel on the on the the first catch and run. Dewan Jennings was a long catch and run for a touchdown. So that's the one where in the moment you're looking and you're going, well, and I already had somebody say this to me on the internet. Like, 
that's his playmakers just making plays. And in that moment, they, sure. But also, that's the quarterback's job, is to deliver the ball to his playmakers in spots where they can go make a play. And Purdy did that. And at the end of the season, when it comes down to like MVP voting, because that's going to be, we'll talk about this more during the week, but that's going to be the whole thing. Like, oh, you beat the MVP front runner in his building. And people who are uh, on the other side of that argument, thinking somebody else should be the most valuable player, are going to say, well, it was a lot of short throws and his playmakers went and made plays. But at the end of the year, people are going to look at stats and they're going to see four touchdowns and 314 yards and no turnovers against Philly. And that's that to me is what stands out. That wasn't a cheap 314 yard four touchdown game. He was no. really, really good. He benefits from Yak, but like, you know, who also benefits from Yak or benefited from Yak when he had guys like Tyree Kill? Like Patrick <laughs> Mahomes benefits from Yak. Correct. Right. Like you have to put your guys in position to go make plays. And Kyle Shanahan does that. And Brock Purdy absolutely does that. And look, like, I'm sorry, the dude plays at a really high level. And the dude has outplayed a lot of quarterbacks that people think are better than him. He's, just, he's outplayed he's Dak Prescott good, both times they've played. He's now outplayed Jalen Hurts, the, the MVP favorite going into today. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that, I, that that Brock Purdy to me is necessarily MVP because I still like I still need to see him for me to be like, this is the most valuable player in the NFL. I need to see him like be down. And again, I'm not using this to say that he can't do it. But like to win MVP, you at some point need to like carry your team to a win. And we haven't seen Brock Purdy do that. Not that that's bad. Not that he shouldn't be in the MVP conversation. The numbers speak for themselves. I think the idea that Brock Purdy is some like 25th ranked quarterback who's just getting carried by Kyle Shanahan and his playmakers is completely asinine, frankly. And I think it mm-hmm. it's a disservice to what he's doing and the level that he's playing at because you mm-hmm. do not – I don't care who your weapons are or who your head coach is. There is no way to put up these numbers in the NFL. And even talking about you, – you, you wrote a piece for Niners Wire about uh, – or it was included in a piece that you wrote about his ability to push the ball downfield and how it's completely mm-hmm. changing the 49ers offense. And that's 100% true, and the numbers back it up. Mm-hmm. And I think the people who say he's just a checkdown artist either aren't watching or aren't, aren't paying attention or both. Yeah. Because the guy's just playing at a really high level, and he just also happens to be operating in an ideal situation. And both things can absolutely be true. Now, does he have the arm strength of Justin Herbert? No. Is he playing at a higher level than Justin Herbert? Yeah. Right. Like, yes. Right. Like unequivocally, like just watch the games, watch what he, watch what he does. And so is, is there one argument? It's the one and Josh Dubow tweeted, tweet out the numbers. His numbers are flat out bad when he's trailing in the fourth quarter. Yeah. They're not, that's really it. They're not good. The numbers are flat out bad. And again, that's a small sample size. That's without Trent Williams and that's without Debo Samuel. So maybe those normalize if you if if that if that sample size does grow a little bit. But to me, like Brock Purdy has to be in the discussion. I don't know that he's necessarily MVP, but he has to be in the discussion. I agree. And he has to be considered a top 10 quarterback. And that that's it. Like, I'm not saying he's he's the MVP front runner right now because he went and beat Jalen Hurts, but he has to be in the discussion. He's not some fraud who's punching above his weight. He is playing at a super high level and that needs to be recognized. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I don't I don't have anything to add. And then you watch like <laughs> Jalen Hurts today. And it, Jalen Hurts, that's that's a good team. 
Like Philly has a dominant offensive line. And we'll get to the Niners defense in a bit because they were they were outstanding. But dominant offensive line, Devontae Smith is awesome. AJ Brown's as good of a receiver as there is in the league. Uh, DeAndre Swift is a is a really, really good player. I know they're missing Dallas Goddard, who who helps them out a ton, but how many times did you see him in a clean pocket? Just hold the ball, hold the ball, hold the ball, roll out, hold the ball, hold the ball, throw it away. That that is the kind of thing where maybe the Niners defense was just they they did a lot of rush four drop seven, but the amount of holding the football he did today and just not making a decision, I thought was a detriment to the Eagles offense. There yeah. and that's the kind of thing that you watch Brock Purdy and getting the ball out quick is like part of the deal. And I don't, I'm not going to penalize him for, for being good at running his offense. It's he's very precise. Yeah. He's just extremely precise. Like, I don't know that I've seen a quarterback just play with more precision. Like he doesn't have the wow plays where it's like Patrick Mahomes scrambles around and, you know, goes Mm -hmm. to the left sideline and then the right sideline and throws on the run sidearm and hits Travis Mm -hmm. Kelsey in the back corner where no one can get it. Like he doesn't have those plays, but he just operates at a super precise level, almost to the point where it doesn't need to need to. Yeah. Like Kyle Shanahan dials up plays. He has receivers who can run these really precise routes like Brandon Mm -hmm. Ayuk, and he's executing. He's just doing what he's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so like, we want the situation to be worse and we want Brock to make more ridiculous plays outside of the structure. So then we can say he's, really an MVP caliber player. Like it's kind of ridiculous the way, like let's let the results speak for themselves That's when it, it comes to evaluate evaluating That's quarterback it. play. Like I've mentioned this before, but we have a thing as a sports watching society that like we penalize players for being in good, good situations. And like, we really only think, Oh, if, if you can drag a terrible supporting cast and a terrible head coach to a championship, that's the only way you can ever be considered great. Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculous because it's so dumb. It, you look at all sports, every single championship is there's a team element to it. There's a bunch of factors involved in winning. It's not just one guy. Yeah, one guy can absolutely help, mm-hmm. but especially in football, it's a team game. Bill Walsh had Joe Montana. Joe Montana had Jerry Rice. There were a lot of other really good players on that team, on those 49ers teams, right? Yeah. Like it's so, hey, hey, you know, look- Tom Brady had a bunch of really good players that helped him, particularly on defense early in his career. Right. The, the Patriots were defensive team when Tom Brady was winning Super Bowls early on in his career before he evolved. Ask and Justin Tom... Herbert. Ask Justin Herbert how much he likes not having any help. Exactly. How's that working out? Not great. Exactly. Yeah, he's more talented than Brock, but he's not playing at a higher level right now. Right. And he maybe is. that's a product of his environment, but he's just not. Right. So it is what it is. Right. And if you can't <laughs> if you can't overcome the if the argument is, well, Brock Purdy wouldn't be able to overcome deficiencies in coaching and playmakers, and then you watch Justin Herbert week in and week out not overcome deficiencies in coaching and playmakers, and what the hell is our discussion about? <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on. Anyways, exactly. we'll talk more about Brock and the MVP conversation a-, a little bit later in the week. I want to talk about the Niners' defense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Do you want to talk about Dre Greenlaw first or last? First. Okay. Dre Greenlaw got ejected. And I don't really know how I feel about the play. Like, the play was bad. It was a flag. You can't suplex a guy at the whistle. That's a flag every time, and it felt like it was coming. The Niners got away with one on the Jalen Hurts shove out of bounds by J- Javon Hargrave. It was really borderline. It felt like they throw that flag a lot, and they didn't. And then Greenlaw gets the flag right there on the Philly sideline. I, he, he probably should have – you can't – hit another guy on the sideline whether you meant to or not you, you just can't that's a thing you can't do what i want to know is and i can't remember if if you or or nick wagner brought this up how did that guy on dom DeSandro, i think is his name the eagles chief security guy how did he get ejected with no flag so per the pool report and i forget which number the rule is but the zach berman who covers the Eagles did the pool report and talked to an official after the game. And um, basically what the official said is there's a rule that says if there's a non-player involved, um, the rule prevents them from throwing a flag on a non-player. But the thing is, is there unsportsman like it's a dumb rule. It's it's a dumb rule, but also there are unsportsman like penalties that are committed and enforced that are flags on sidelines. Right. Like mm-hmm. coach, a coach can get an unsportsmanlike penalty mm-hmm. and that's 15 yards. So I don't know. I don't exactly know the mechanics of it, but I think the point stands that it's pretty ridiculous that Dre Greenlaw can get flagged for a personal foul there and get ejected. And the security guy who pushed Dre Greenlaw can also get ejected, but they're, they're not like offsetting penalties somehow. Why would you um, not just load up your sideline with security and just start shit with every player who runs onto your sideline? Right. That's the precedent, right? And it, that's like, I made that joke to the group chat too. I was like, if I were the Eagles, I'd run every play towards their sideline the rest of the game. Mm. And like, so I think that's something worth examining if you're the NFL and the competition committee. Like you cannot have security people getting involved with players and talking shit to players. That's just not something that should happen. Like a security guard's job, and you see him in every sport. You see him in basketball games. You see him at football mm-hmm. games. They, You never see them and their mouths are moving. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like you see those security people, they're always standing there stoic because their job is to observe and mm-hmm. prevent anything bad from happening, not get involved in any altercation. And so I think the, the Eagles guy was correctly ejected, but I think if Greenlaw is going to get ejected, there just has to be offsetting penalties. The Niners can't be the only ones losing yardage there. Yep. Um, but on the other, like, and this is a separate topic even though i mean he's involved but like Greenlaw's a habitual line stepper like he just is <laughs> he line like steps habitually or, there are two or three plays per game where it's like oh that's close and then he'll get flagged for it occasionally and he won't other times mm-hmm. i i do think there's like a, a similarity to draymond green and that like referees are almost expecting it and they're more willing to throw a flag on him um because of the reputation he's he's sort of earned at this point uh so he he needs to reel it in but i will say like it's really really hard in a stadium with 70,000 people in it and with the intensity you have to have to play nfl caliber defense and play it at a high level to like be in the middle of tackling somebody have a referee blow a whistle and you just stop right like instantaneously like it feels like a long time when we're watching on tv but it's not that much time between when the ref blows a whistle and when Dre Greenlaw suplex the dude. Right. Like, yeah. And I understand what the rules are. I just think it's a little bit unfair to be like, all right, you have to stop playing football within two tenths of a second. Otherwise it's 15 yards that way. Like, yeah. obviously you want to take unsportsmanlike stuff out of the game and cheap shots out of the game, but it's, it's a game built on physicality. And have and like the it's not like the offensive of the, have some awareness of the situation. Yeah, and also, but like it's not like the offensive player has stopped. Like the offensive mm-hmm. player is still pushing. Mm-hmm. So like if you're tackling somebody, as long as the offensive player is pushing, you're going to react. You're not just going to stop, even assuming you can hear the whistle. Yeah, I kind of right? wonder. Like, so there's there's two there's two aspects of this. One. I wonder if Javon Hargrave hadn't shoved Jalen Hurts out of bounds a couple plays earlier, if they throw a flag on that. And if that was if if that was the case and it was like, okay, this is getting out of hand, let's call a flag and see if we can settle this down. And maybe that was the impetus behind it. Or I wonder if there was the because he did kind of suplex him. If he had just kind of thrown him to the ground or spun him out of bounds or whatever, if they had thrown a flag. Or because it looked like you did the pick him up and drop him over the shoulder style of tackle, if that was what got him. It's definitely a suplex. But either, I mean, I don't know. The suplexing thing is definitely a point of emphasis, too. If, it should be pointed out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't I don't mind the flag on Greenlaw. If that's... I'm, I, it no, I don't either. It wasn't egregious bad goal. It's no. Like, yeah, it's, it's probably a penalty. I just think it's, I just think it's tough ejecting him because the because the eagles guy who apparently can't draw a flag inserted himself into the situation unnecessarily that's nuts that's bananas yeah and good on on, good on nick sirianni too for apologizing for that after the game uh i did not think he had that in him i just think (laughs) nick sirianni's kind of a dick (laughs) uh i I do wonder I do wonder if if former 49ers PR chief Bob Lang uh, said something to Sirianni before talking to Kyle Shanahan and was like, hey, man, maybe you should say this. Shout out to yeah. Bob Lang. I don't Classic think Bob, Bob Lang listens to the pod, pod but um, Bob Lang, longtime 49ers PR guy, is, is currently the uh, 
Philadelphia Eagles head PR guy. And Bob's from New Jersey, so it was an opportunity for him to go home. He was a guy famously with the curly hair who tried to get in between Jim Harbaugh and Jim Schwartz at the Detroit game 2011, I think. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's Bob. Anyway, um, yeah, Sirianni. It's your Bob Lang history lesson here on Candlestick. Bob Lang history lesson. Good dude. Good dude, Bob Lang. Um, (laughs) Nick Sirianni, I I don't know. I don't know what he was saying. There there was the video going around of him chirping pregame, and maybe Mm -hmm. he was mad at 49ers players for being close to the Eagles during their warm-ups or whatever. Mm -hmm. But just... I mean, I've never seen this. I've never seen a head coach insert himself into the middle of things as often as he does. Yeah. Things that he doesn't need to be inserted in the middle of. Yeah. Agreed. And him on the sidelines saying Guy Haberman tweeted this out. Him saying during that whole hullabaloo with Greenlaw saying 57 needs to get thrown out. Like, all right, man. (laughs) Cool, Nick. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a huge falling Sirianni down, guy. falling down the power rankings of Knicks. <laughs> falling down the Nick <laughs> power rankings. So cringe. Bryce server put says in the group chat. He is, dude. The, he's uh, a. Chat. He's like if a Twitter user became a football coach. Just out there. Just yeah, like, just. I think a cringy dude is is like the right way to say it. I don't know if he's a good. I mean, obviously he's he's got to be a decent NFL head coach. The Eagles have won a ton. I think of he's games. a good coach. I think he's a good coach. I but he is a little. I think he's a cringy dude. I think that's fair to say. Same as a, I say that as a cringy dude. Very um, much same. But no, so I mean, what was interesting to just from like talking about the game. It felt like that moment could have swung the game because the Eagles I agree. that happened with like what ten minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah. On their Eagles it was on the Eagles scoring drive. Yeah, the Eagles go down and score a touchdown. And then the Niners just got the ball back immediately and scored again. Five plays <laughs> like seventy seven yards. It went from a three score game to a two score game. And then the Niners were just like, Okay, we're just gonna keep scoring and made it a three score game again. And I thought that was probably the biggest moment in the game because the Eagles have been riding these crazy waves of momentum towards double-digit comebacks for weeks now. And that was like, okay, well, if it happens, like, this is how it starts, was was the first thing that came into my head. Like, if the Eagles come back, this is going to be the moment where it's like, okay, that we point to the Green Lion incident. And the Niners offense was just so good that it was like, all right, yeah, you're going to score a touchdown. We're just going to keep extending this lead and and you're not going to be able to stop us. Um, But otherwise, we want to talk about the Niners defense. And I I saw some of their players talking about this after the game. It was a really, really good job of the pass rushers staying in their lanes and preventing Jalen Hurts from going crazy. And it felt like they're, you know, one of my concerns was like, are the 49ers going to get hurt by blitzes? Is Jalen is Jalen Hurts going to get off on some designed runs? And it was like the Niners' pass rush was far more focused on staying in their lanes than necessarily getting to the quarterback, mm-hmm. and it prevented Jalen Hurts from making plays. It it was the reason why he just kind of stood back there because they were staying in their lanes and preventing him from running, and mm-hmm. the linebackers were always spying. And it felt like the entire game, every replay you saw, it was Fred Warner just standing there in the middle of the field. And when when you're a quarterback and you're a mobile guy and you have the best linebacker in the league standing there waiting for you to make your move, 
it's a hell of a lot harder to be as effective as he's been running the ball than in previous weeks, right? Yep. So that was, I mean, that I mean, now that I think about it, it's probably Steve Wilkes' best best performance. I agree. DC, he was awesome. Right? He was awesome. Yeah. They had such a good they had such a good plan for the Eagles passing game. Uh, AJ Brown still 114 yards, and Devontae Smith still had 96. But longest play for Devontae Smith, 21 yards. Longest play for A.J. Brown, 38 yards. And that was on that slant on like the first drive of the game. They took away the deep stuff. They held them to 46 rushing yards on 18 carries. The longest run of the day was a seven-yard scramble by Hertz. They had DeAndre, two for- DeAndre Swift had 13 yards on six carries. <laughs> longest run of four. They had two first downs via the run. And one was a second down tush push for a touchdown. And the other one was the Marcus Mariota one on fourth down. They didn't convert a single third down with the run. That's incredible. And this is a, that was and as I talked about it with, with prize picks and spoiler alert, I got this one wrong. I had Deandre Swift going over or going for more than 50 and a half yards. Cause I thought, man, eh, the Eagles are going to be able to run it a little bit. And they didn't. And they, they didn't run it, and the Niners didn't have to sacrifice a bunch of explosive pass plays to try and slow down the run game. They just yeah. dominated. It was crazy. Um, and, like, we talked a lot about the put the tush push, obviously, right, mm-hmm. coming in. The Niners did an excellent job of staying out of third and fourth and ones. Like, there were a couple times where it was, like, instead of, you know, fourth and one, it was fourth and three third you know like like just taking taking the tush push with the exception of the touchdown Mm -hmm. taking the tush push completely out of the equation Mm -hmm. and now you realize how valuable that play is for the eagles Mm -hmm. like when you like you have to just keep them out of you know one yard to go scenarios and then they're a completely different offense particularly when you can stop the run as well as the 49ers did stopping deandre swift i mean i i think he's a really good back i agree limiting him i mean two catches for seven yards six runs for 13 yards with the long of four he was a complete non-factor and like it really limits what jalen hurts can do because he's not a rhythm passer he's a he's a playmaker he's he's like what russell wilson was when russell wilson was just kind of the quarterback who played mm-hmm. back backyard football and pulled plays out of his ass and you know like was really good at it and won a ton of games doing that but that's sort of what Jalen Hurts reminds me of. It's not, he's not a rhythm passer. It's co- the complete opposite of what you have with Brock Purdy, where, you know, you can, you can dial up a ton of different passing concepts and have Brock Purdy make plays and make throws with anticipation and on time. And with Jalen Hurts, or at least this version of the Eagles offense that we just saw, and even watching back the last few weeks, it's like, just make plays. And he can make plays. He's really good at making plays. But when, you take away the running game and any semblance of rhythm passing. And it's just, all right, Jalen, we're going to, we're going to rush for everyone's going to stay in their lanes. We're going to have guys in zone and all these plays are long developing Mm -hmm. and we can, we can bracket your receivers. Like the, the, the Eagles offense is a hell of a lot easier to defend that way. And a lot of it has to do with how talented the 49ers defense is. But I just thought Steve Wilkes plan was excellent. Um, I think today is probably the highlight of his season as defensive coordinator so far. Yep. And 
look, how how often the last few years have even going back to 2017 have the 49ers struggled with mobile quarterbacks? And that was a question I had today. Like, was is Jalen Hurts just going to run wild? Like maybe not necessarily make a bunch of plays with his arm, but he's is he just going to run for a bunch of first downs and and break the 49ers back mm-hmm. like Russell Wilson did so many times? Yeah, and that clearly was not the case today. Yeah, and he definitely tried the I the the biggest game changing play was on their second drive where he took that 15 yard loss at where Javon Kinlaw got credited with a sack when he fell down. <laughs> Hurts just fell over. That was so weird. It was yeah, and that's he's just dropping backwards and hoping that somebody comes open. Like they're just, they're, I don't know if that's a product of Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, or if it's something the Niners are doing defensively, or if it's like I said, it's Hurts just missing first reads and turning into these long plays. But I just don't think that's super sustainable. Where every time your quarterback drops back, it's okay, just go do something, go figure it out. And right. like you said, the Niners did a really nice job of forcing him into, I think, spots where he wasn't super comfortable and credit the secondary as well for staying disciplined. And when he was scrambling, there wasn't that's such an opportunity to miss somebody in coverage where he's scrambling out right or left and buying time and dancing around in the pocket. And I mean, he's so good at that. And then, oh, there's A.J. Brown wide open down the field. There's Devontae Smith. He just got lost in coverage, and there he is for a 60-yard touchdown. The Niners just never let that happen today, and I was really, really impressed. Javarius Ward was really good. Ambry Thomas had a couple of pass breakups. I, I was super impressed with, with the Niners' secondary. I think today, I don't know if it proved it, but I've had this theory that you can interfere with a receiver – as long as you just look back that for yes. the ball. Yep. <laughs> like yeah, the, the, the Ambry Thomas one was wild. There were a couple times where it was like, <laughs> man, that th- those were pretty questionable non-pass interference calls, but I love it. Like I think pass interference is a lot of times just a cop out, but right. it proved, yes. I thought today proved and Traverius Ward did a really good job of this. Ambry Thomas did a really good job of this where you can be physical with the receiver as long as you just turn your head. Yep. at some point and and locate the ball if you do that you can you can get away with a lot more than if you don't yep um and you know maybe the 49ers got a little bit lucky on a couple of those but for the most part i mean maybe we're biased but i, I for the most part i i love i love not seeing offenses get bailed out by pass interferences there's so I, many rules that benefit the offense yep. to allow like could like maybe non-calls or maybe calls like go as non-calls i appreciate officials handling it by without throwing a flag than just flagging everything because that's i don't think that's any fun to watch i'm almost always pro less flag than more flag and i think that the the spirit of pass interference is to ensure that guys aren't just tackling receivers because they can't get if you're getting to the receiver and the receiver has to turn around to get the ball and your hands get to the receiver get on the receiver while you're turning around to get to the ball that's not interference that's not pi contact is going to happen in the sport it's to stop guys from deliberately grabbing hands or arms or whatever pulling jerseys when the ball is in the air if there's some incidental contact while they arrive together because they're both going for the same ball that shouldn't be a flag it is sometimes for sure and did the Niners get away with a couple today that might have gotten flagged in another game like definitely but there was nothing the Ambry Thomas one would have been egregious but to your point at the last second he gets his head around 
gets a hand on the ball and it's like, oh, there, nope, playing the ball, not the man. Yeah. And if you get your head around and better yet, if you like touch, make contact with the football, I don't think it should be a flag as long as you're not like holding the guy's arms down or, or grabbing his jersey. I would love to see it legislated like that in every single game. Yeah, that that should be the definition for for P.I. So, yeah, because it's cheap offense. If you're just like, all right, we're just going to drop back and Joe Flacco to Tory Smith it. Yeah. Like, and just bank on so, d- bank. D- Pete Carroll said the Seahawks tried to do. Right. Yeah, Whatever. I mean, Traverius Ward's been really good. Yeah, yes. He's been really good. The fact that he can do what he did against DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. I know Brown had good numbers, but I think a lot of those numbers came. It's sort of not super meaningful points of the game. Mm-hmm. I thought Traverius Mooney Ward has been excellent the last two weeks against two really good receivers. And he definitely matches up well with those big physical cats. Yep, and does a really nice job with it. Uh, two more, two more things for me. Well, one more thing, and then we got to get to prize picks. I got to tell you guys how bad I, I, I sucked this week. Um, I think the rest advantage thing was a big deal for the Niners today, or on Sunday. Yep. They very clearly looked like a team that had had ten days off, and the Eagles looked like a team playing their third game in whatever it was, fourteen or fifteen days. And that's, you know, if these teams meet up again in the NFC title game, I'm not going to pick the 49ers to win by three touchdowns. Agreed. I think it would go a lot different. But to that point, they dominated the final 45 minutes of that game. And that's what you need to do if you're going to be a, a great team against a team in that spot. You need to go handle business. And, and they did. So every team is going to deal with. That. Every team is going to deal with schedule deficiencies. I think yep. the rest advantage stuff, I I sort of downplayed it when we talked about it before the season because I, I think it's like kind of a lame excuse. And like if you're a good team, ultimately it's not going to define your season, whether or not you have a good or bad season. Yeah. yeah. But like it was a factor in the Cleveland game. The Browns are coming off their bye, mm-hmm. right? And the Niners weren't. Um, it was a factor in the Cincinnati game. The Niners had a short week coming back from Minnesota on Monday Night Football and the Bengals are coming off their bye. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think playing a team coming off a of bye factors and having a few days rest advantage while the team you're playing is, is coming off a 92 snap performance on defense in that overtime game against the bills. I, I do think that matters, Yeah, but I think eventually, like, I know the numbers say the Niners have had, have gotten screwed by rest advantage and whatnot. I just think mm-hmm. over a season, like you have to view it like that stuff is just going to balance itself out. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that coming off a bye versus not is a big deal. I think the Thursday mini buy is a little bit of a deal. To me, the oh, this team has a rest advantage because they played Sunday and their opponent played Monday. That doesn't that doesn't move. No, one day, I don't think one day really matters. And like traveling that that just stood out to me. Yeah. But also like the Niners had to go fly, you know, six hours across the country. Yeah. Very Um, true. So I think like It'll never happen because I think it it shakes out to where this would happen over Thanksgiving. But like, if you go to 18 games, I would have every NFL team play the first nine weeks of the season, have a two-week break for every team in the NFL so everybody has the same buys and everyone gets two weeks off right in the middle of the season, yeah. have the trade deadline around there, and then have a nine-week nine stretch to finish the season. That way, everybody's on the same buy schedule. We don't have to worry about it. Now, I know it's the the league will never do it because you know, TV money and all of that stuff. But I just think like, that's one problem I think I have with the NFL is there's so many moving parts when it comes to schedules. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be lopsided from week to week. 
to where it's pretty tangible and it does impact outcomes. Uh-huh. Like if you wanted a level playing field, you would have every team more or less on the same buy schedule and it'll never happen for money purposes, but I, I would like to see it. Yeah, me too. And I think teams right. need two buys. If you're going to go to 18 games, which, which the NFL inevitably will teams need two buys. Yep. I agree. Um, a couple things. I start a couple chats here. Caroline Phillips asked if there's a chance Dre Greenlaw suspended for the Seahawks game. I doubt I don't, it. I don't think so. If he had pushed or punched the coach, I, I, then then yeah, definitely. But I don't think he's going to be suspended for the for the Seahawks game. Yeah. And then uh, our guy Ernesto wonders if the Eagles are feeling some self doubt. I doubt it. I'm guessing they're going to look at this and go, yeah, we they had the rest advantage and this and that. And if there's self doubt for the Eagles, it's been building over the last five weeks where they've been outgained in every single one of those games. Yeah, I don't know that self-doubt's necessarily the way I would put it, but like, would it surprise you or anybody if the Eagles like had a losing streak? Like, if they lost next week in Dallas? No, not at all. That wouldn't shock me one bit. They've, yeah, been, they've so, just been on the edge this entire little run they've been on. They've yeah, lost, what, I mean, three, three, four games. They've won a bunch of games, but like, I don't view them as a fourteen and two team. I think they're probably closer to like a twelve and four team. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, or a yeah. 12 and 5 team. You know, mm-hmm. the 14 and 3, whatever. You know, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I 17 game. A, like, a 12 win team versus a 14 win team. Yeah. Like, I, I think, I, I just don't view, I don't, I think they're better last year. But I think they yeah. are, you know, like, I think they could lose at Dallas. Absolutely. And I think mm-hmm. they could lose the following week at Seattle. Like, I, I just think it's hard. You know, they're 10 and 2 now. Like, I think they're a team that probably, I mean, maybe they, you know, they avoided a couple losses that 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 they probably should have had in these last few weeks. But I just mm-hmm. don't view them as a fifteen and two team. I think they could lose one or two more games, even though their their schedule is pretty soft. They have Dallas and Seattle, both road games, home games against the Giants, who are bad, the Cardinals, who are bad, and then they play at the Giants, weeks eighteen. Yeah, the Giants will probably be in full on tank mode. So the fact that the Forty ers won this game. Like, I don't know if the Eagles are feeling self-doubt, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Eagles slip up once or twice. Like, I th- the Niners are very much in the mix for the one seed. Yeah, definitely. Um, you want to get to prize picks? Not really. I mean, I do, but I don't want to... <laughs> you want to talk about how bad it was? It's okay. I'll talk about how bad mine were first. Okay, uh, great. Prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick. Promo code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. It is Daily Fantasy Sports. And it's super easy. Two to six players. There's stat projections for each player. You pick more or less. That's how you build an entry. And then you watch the winnings roll. And it's a ton of fun. Unless you're me. And then in which case you watch the L's stack up. So I had Brandon Ayuk more than 61 and a half receiving yards. If you had told me that Brandon Ayuk in this game went five catches on seven targets and scored a touchdown, I would have been like, give me the over on 81 and a half. Or give yeah. give me more than eighty one and a half. Like I'm I'm in there. more than sixty one and a half. Wrong. Forty six yards for Brandon Ayuk, but an effective forty six yards. I thought he had a good game. I took Debo Samuel more than eleven and a half rushing yards. Nailed that. He had a, a thirteen yard run just by itself. He had twenty two total. Jake Moody more than six and a half kicking points. Six. <laughs> six extra points. Not one field goal. Couldn't stall out in the red zone one time. Couldn't do that? All right. 
It's fine. Um, one thing on on Brandon Ayuk, real quick. Yeah. Uh, as much as I'd love to just talk about Jake Moody. No, yeah. No, um, dynamite today. Ayuk Ayuk averaged nine yards a catch today. For the season, he he's averaging nineteen point six coming in. Brutal. Brutal. Wow. For the for the prize picks crowd. Uh, speaking yeah. of Jake Moody, real quick, shout out to 49er special teams for listening to Candle Crown. We really appreciate it. Launch those oh, kicks just out having, of the end zone, baby. Just having your kicker with the world's greatest leg kick it through the kick it through the end zone and not have to subject your very suspect kickoff return team to potentially giving up a game changing touchdown. Yeah, man. Wild. Wild, wild stuff. Yeah. Really good I, work. It, like, really good work by Mood Dog. Joey Sly, and we did some work. Shout out to our guy Rob Louder. Um, we hey, did some Ro- background hey, work. Hey, real quick, if you if you listen to the pod regularly, you'll know that Chris and I just struggled horribly trying to find <laughs> kick return coverage stats. And our guy Rob Louder, who hosts the Striking Gold podcast on Blue Wire uh, Podcast Network, check him out. He, he texts us and he goes. It's on NFL.com, dudes. <laughs> just, <laughs> literally the NFL's website. Just go there. Like, oh, and dang. we learned Joey Sly, <laughs> former 49ers great Joey Sly, uh, currently the kicker for the Washington Durs, uh, has not allowed a kickoff all year. Like he's just return. booted every kickoff return. He's just booted everything through the end zone. And it's like, yeah, that can happen. Yeah. Like, I think I th- I think it's a little too cute to be like, oh, let's kick it to the corner and maybe we can pin them inside the 20. Like, just kick it through. Yeah, just Have them launch start it from out. the 25. They're just getting the ball anyway. Don't risk it. Win the field position battle with punting. Yes. Don't try you to have a good en- You have a good enough defense to where, like, if they start at the 17, it's not some boon as compared to the 25. <laughs> right. right. Every yard counts, dude. That's going to be one of my keys next week. Every yard counts. <laughs> My my keys of compete, compete, and compete really came through today. Yeah, no, I thought you were spot on with that. Mine were um, mine were execute, and uh-huh. all four quarters. Yeah, uh, so I feel good. I check feel good about check. that. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. My my last three here in prize picks: DeAndre Swift more than fifteen and a half rushing yards. Not even close. The Eagles didn't even clear that by themselves. Elijah Mitchell had three carries and had as many rushing yards as DeAndre Swift. Is Elijah Mitchell better than DeAndre Swift? Would Kyle Shanahan trust DeAndre Swift? That's the real question. <laughs> Jalen Hurts more than 10 rushing attempts. Wrong. He had seven. And then I tacked on a, a Warriors entry as well. I had Clay Thompson less than half a rebound, less than half an offensive rebound on Thursday against the Clippers, and our guy Clay pulled down two offensive boards. You just love to fade Clay Thompson at the Good moment. work on the glass. Yeah, dude. You're so salty him. about Clay Thompson. Just tired of watching him um shoot threes he can't make so <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's not he's not one of the best shooters we've ever seen um or anything no he is he definitely is uh old i had brock purdy fewer than 252 and a half uh passing yards he had 314 so mm-hmm. i took the l on that one i had purdy fewer than 31 and a half pass attempts that's, oh, that's a bingo a uh that's that's a, a huge win um aj brown i had less than 73 and a half receiving yards because his numbers had been down recently and he decided to poke me right in my eye with 114 yards on eight catches um so yeah as somebody who only does power play uh still not great for me still you not need to take advantage of the flex plays the man 
allows you yeah, to get a couple wrong is, and still get a little money. I'm just not going to win it all back that way. Is how I look at it. So. Yeah, no, you're not. You, you, no, you've you've got that dog in you, <laughs> for sure. Oh, right. Man, Prize Picks must love me. Just, yeah. Prizepicks.com. Give, giving them money every week. Prizepicks.com slash candlestick. Promo code candlestick for your first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Come play Prize Picks with me and Chris. It's a ton of fun. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Um. Bryce Herber in the uh, in the YouTube chat points out it's a tough way for the backwards hat wears aren't franchise QB crowd mm. QB's crowd. Um, yeah, like I Good thought point. it was funny that Colin Coward made that point about Brock Purdy not being a franchise QB because he wears a backwards hat. And then a lot of people um, posted photos of Tom Brady wearing a backwards hat. I, I did that. that. Was enjoyable. Um, I almost went uh, went backwards hat for this podcast uh, as I frequently mm. wear hats, as has been pointed out in the chat. And I just like, I got a haircut two days ago. It's great. I was just thank you. That's what I was. That's what I was fishing for. Was a compliment. Um, but yeah, I was. I, it just didn't feel right. Didn't. I feel also right. got a haircut, um, but my haircuts look way different than yours. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Hey, um, so what? This is a great question oops. for. Oh, you already did it. It's a great question yeah. from Ryan Owens. Yeah. So, um, he, atten- he's attending. He's attending if, the go ahead he's asking if you and and nick have any any takes on the on the cotton bowl any stakes sorry well he asked for any takes he also has asked um any stakes so oh, we're takes and stakes uh, are being asked about the cotton bowl um i haven't dove into the film yet on mizzou i know they are a formidable formidable sec program at this point great journalism um, school Absolutely a great journalism school. We know uh, we know many people who have gone to Mizzou who are excellent at their jobs of journalism. Um, there's conversation about going to the game. And We're in the, Niners, the Niners play in Washington, D.C. that weekend. The game is Friday. Um, Nick generally travels two days ahead of East Coast trips. So he's thinking he might fly to Dallas friday go to the game and then fly to dc on sunday these are all preliminary talks i'm sure nick loves that we're talking about this on the pod um <laughs> i was just in dallas for king's mavs i'm not saying i hate dallas i'm just not going to say it's my favorite city in the country mm-hmm. uh but there there are ongoing discussions about potentially a, a, a live group chat event in dallas for the uh for the buckeyes versus tigers in the cotton bowl so we'll see we don't have any stakes yet though and i don't have any takes either other than i would be really annoyed if ohio state lost i'm gonna pull up in an ohio state shirt and a mizzou hat i'm gonna be that guy i'm gonna bet on some overs and root for everybody i so badly like the really the only reason why i wanted ohio state to beat michigan was so you can wear your new shirt on the podcast yeah i know I might wear it anyway. Anyways. All right. Yeah. Uh, that's it for us tonight, everybody. We will have another podcast for you in the middle of the week, breaking breaking down. Uh, may have a guest. Working on a guest for oh. our midweek pod. I think we're going to dive into Brock Purdy and the MVP candidate stuff. Because oh, I we love that. I think it's fascinating. So hopefully we'll have a guest on to talk about that. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. 
youtube.com slash at Candlestick Chronicles podcast or just search Candlestick Chronicles on YouTube. You can find us there. Subscribe. Hit that little notification bell so you get notified every time we go live. We're doing these live. We're, do- we're doing it live. And then this also hits uh, your podcast feed as well. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, everybody, for watching. And we will talk to you next time. See you guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.